Good Friday night, and welcome to the seventh episode of the History of L.A. Ska one-on-one sessions, and tonight is a special night. Uh, my guest and uh, my first time actually hosting this, uh, we have Junior Francis. Um, and while we await Junior's arrival, and I have the opportunity to turn tables on him, just want to say a few words here. Hey, Russell, first to join. All right, Russell, Russell Gerlach. Um First, I want to say thanks to everyone uh, for the ongoing support of um, this new uh, Instagram account, History of L.A. Ska. And uh, this particular series, History of L.A. Ska, began with um, two, and Bubba joined as well, with two in-person panel discussions at the Grammy Museum in downtown L.A. uh, a few years ago. Uh, The very first one, the inaugural one, uh, included five really crucial players in the authentic and traditional ska revival scene. Uh, we had Hepcats, uh, Greg Lee, Joey Altruda from Jump With Joey, Persephone, Queen P of Ocean Eleven, uh, Brian Dixon of the Agrolites and Rhythm Doctors and C-Spot, as well as King Steadybeat himself, Louis Korea from Steadybeat Recordings. Um, that was the first panel. Second panel we had was last year, and it was a little more eclectic uh, of a group of players from the ska scene. We had Dr. Mad Vibe uh, himself, uh, Angelo Moore joining, as well as Chris Murray, Kip from Skeletones and Debonairs, and we had Darren from X, uh, X uh, original drummer, I believe, of Goldfinger, as well as Tazy Phillips from Ska Parade. And Junior Francis has joined us. Hello, Junior. Yeah, Junior, can you how's everything, me? sir? Can you hear me? Oh, loud and clear. <laughs> loud and clear. <laughs> All right. Welcome, welcome. I was just, I was telling our viewers uh, about the first two in-person panel discussions that we had over the over the years at the Grammy Museum, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think as we as we get through this interview, uh, I somewhat want to take it kind of chronological from your life. So we'll get to there uh, at the very end. Um, but uh, I was just telling and thanking our viewers um, and, and fans out there, and, and uh, Junior, I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, I've you know I actually. Uh, I wanted to interview you when I had my Havana Kingston Connection radio show, right, at, on KJazz. You, at the same time, had your KXLU show. So it never worked out. Never worked out. Conflict. So, so, now, but, so, now, so now's the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, I really and truly want to thank you for bringing me into modernity. Because <laughs> 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 without, I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> so oh, really and truly want to say thanks. Yeah, man, modernity. <laughs> oh, please, absolutely. Your idea from the get-to-go. Well, so really and well, truly thank you. Yeah, but, but let me tell you, Junior, I, I, uh, I wouldn't know what I know about... Uh, Jamaican music, if it wasn't for you, one of the key players, and I, and I thank you tremendously for that. Um, so, so before before we get started, and, and as people are, are trickling in here, which is great, and appreciate everyone taking their Friday night um, time out of their busy schedule or even COVID at home schedule, um, obviously being very mindful of that. Uh, this is the seventh episode in the series of the one-on-one sessions, and uh, Junior, you've You've, you've been always amazing at uh, doing these interviews, so I have some big shoes to fill here. I, I tried to dress up a little bit for you as well tonight. Um, uh, so, so the very first... And I dressed down. <laughs> no, offense. No, you look great. Uh, so the very first one-on-one session that we did um, was Greg Narvis. That was in July of Hepcat, mm-hmm. Hepcat Drummer. Then we did Nina Cole, uh, who's Scott Fitness Guru and, and DJ and, and Drummer. Uh, Nina Cole, that was in August. Then in... Uh, September, someone who we've been wanting to talk to for a long time, 
the Untouchables, mm. uh, Jerry Miller. Uh, and then in October, I mean, also a legend in Linville Golding from the specials. And then we had Robert, a key player of the L.A. scene, you know, from Allenton's Irie Beats, um, now Rise Roots. That was in November. And then a couple of weeks ago, Heather Augustin, which was a fascinating one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a writer of, of, of author of seven books and did the history of, uh, or rather the um, Pick It Up Ska mm-hmm. documentary from the 90s. So, so uh, this is lucky number seven, Junior. Yes, sir. And, and you know, we, we go way back. Uh, I think, in a sense, I consider myself fortunate that the tide of the Pacific Ocean hasn't washed away our friendship. So we have remained <laughs> friends. So, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 there's no tides. No <laughs> tides. I'll take, no tides take that away. <laughs> the tide of the West Coast sometimes is very rough, very rough, <laughs> sometimes larger than light. Um, yes, but it hasn't damaged our friendship. No, so that's good. no, 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 nothing will. And, uh, and I'm very thankful. And um, as is my wife. Kelly and, and my, my two yes. daughters as well. So, um, you know, the, uh, a couple of things as we get started here. Um, one is most of what you do, and I've seen you do over the years, I can truly say comes from a, a, an amazing part, uh, your heart and soul, given it your all, and, and, and so much of a labor of love. And in fact, just today, I saw Chris Murray, uh, who, who most of our viewers probably know, said on, um, uh, on Instagram, that it's amazing how much good energy Junior brings to our scene. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with Chris. And, and our, our really good friend, Ernesto Arce, uh, he, I believe, created that, that meme, right? The meme on Facebook that, and, and, and Instagram that everyone's seen, how uh, you should walk into the world as if Junior Francis is announcing you on the stage, right? Onto the stage. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that, if that, if that doesn't say it, then I'm not sure what doesn't. Um, yes so so we can we can we can move on to some questions but um uh first and foremost you're a music fan and enthusiast radio legend i'm gonna make you uh, a little embarrassed uh top notch selector uh mc unlike any other well-respected promoter jamaican music historian community and social and racial activist loving father grandfather not to mention you know one of my closest friends but um uh, so, Junior, welcome. Let's uh, shall we get started with, so who you're talking, with, with your life. So, who are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about you. You were talking to, about me? Absolutely. I was all those things. And, and those are just a few descriptive yeah. terms. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. So, 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 so why, don't we, why don't we start with, uh, with your birth, uh, Junior? <clears throat> so, so, uh, yeah. I was born on a Friday night the 3rd of March, 1951, in a place called Farm, Manchester, with this oh, capital, farm. Mandeville. So that's F-A-R-M. Farm, F-A-R-M, F-A-R-M, like a farm. farm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rugged terrain. And at, uh, just before my seventh birthday, my mom was part of the Windrush generation that migrated to England. Thus, I became a past baby. A parcel baby means your mom sent stuff from England for you. So right. in a sense, it was uh, a good trade-off. She said, when I go to England, she assured me not to worry, because whatever you want, I'll send for you. So there was no tears. So we traded. She said, you behave yourself. Be a good boy. So my right. grandparents raised me. 
My dad wo- uh, came to America. My dad left Jamaica before I was born. He was smart, so he came on farm working and decided to take off because he was facing judgment. <laughs> wow, right. Uh, had he returned to Jamaica. Yeah, I mean, real judgment because they wanted to kill him. Well, and so he bad. stayed okay. here. Yeah, yeah, man. People, those people are wild where I grew up. <laughs> really seriously wild. And so my mom was slated to pass exam that year. So my grandfather was really upset. So in any case, my dad stayed here uh, in New York. Uh, he ran off the farm and was living illegally in New York, Bronx. So I never got to know him. And he was in a relationship. And I guess the uh, lady who he was living with reported him to the police so they came arrested him and shipped him back to Jamaica he came wow. spent three weeks he had a piece of land he came back with nothing just whatever he had in his pocket uh, sold his land became part of the wind rush generation and, and you have siblings and so that was early hmm? it's siblings uh, in Jamaica growing up siblings Brooklyn. yeah I had a brother and a sister by my stepmother Okay. And so, but my stepmother was good. She's always telling me, I'm your mother. I'm thinking I have two mothers. I thought my mom is it. My mom left before my seventh birthday. So right. how is she my mom? But she was really kind, caring, in every sense of the word. She was almost like a mother. Right. But, and but, so but, but, she left, she moved to Kingston. So my brother and my sister moved to Kingston. And that was, in a sense, devastated because when I started elementary school, they were my protectors. Now they were oh, God. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit frightening. But, but, but she would always, my, my stepmother was always invite me to come to Kingston, come to Kingston. So that was good. Now I have a place to stay in Kingston. Right. Because exactly. most people who go to Kingston, most people can't go to Kingston, kids my age, because there's no place to stay. Right. So now I had a home in Kingston. I could go every holiday. And, and, Make and, a point. And, how far was the drive from Manchester to Kingston? 60 miles, but then it take all half a day. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Uh, because the bus would leave 5 o'clock and they would get to Kingston by noon. And vice versa. The bus from Kingston would get to where I live exactly at noon. Right. So, so how often would you go to Kingston? It, well, my aunt left when I was 10. So then I became the head cook and bottle washer home. So I couldn't travel much. But before that, I traveled extensively when I had an aunt at home. No, she was gone. My grandfather said, no, you have to stay here and do the cooking and do the washing. Right. And so my grandmother would shower me with blessings of gifts. She would buy exercise books in a case, pens in half a dozen and a dozen. I had enough shoes to sink the Queen Mary. <laughs> <laughs> my that's, that's, that, that's why you love shoes. Right? To this day. Yeah, right. To that's, this that's day, a, yeah. you, you always yeah, yeah. have a fresh, fresh pair of clothes. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it, it, in a sense, it paid off. Yeah, yeah. And you had a close relationship with your grandmother? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very close with my grandmother. Um, I noticed that she was always late for church. Every Sunday she's late because she was a workaholic doing a million things. And so what... I, one day I said, okay, this has to improve. So I look at what are the things that were causing her to be late. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 o'clock church start. The church is just across the street. What she had to do is walk across the street. So she was always late. I realized 11 o'clock when she's supposed to be in church, she was ironing, getting her shoes together, wow. her hair net, and stocking. 
I had those things prepared for her. Sunday, I lined everything on the bed. So every Sunday, she was early for church. So then she started telling people, I said, why are you so early? I said, yeah, the big man. She was called because I was the oldest of three grandsons. I said, yeah, yeah, the big man taking care of me, man. So every Sunday, yeah. I lined up her shoes, her socks. That's amazing, Jimmy. I stuck it and, and iron her dress. <laughs> yeah, you, you iron like so that. Was a... <laughs> you do. <laughs> I had an uncle who was in Cuba and Panama. He was a traveler, and he came back. So he, he was a dry cleaner. So he taught me early how to dry clean. So I, did, uh, I learned then, and I applied yeah. it to my, not on my own clothes, my grandmother. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So that's how that started. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about your first exposure to music while, while growing up. Around what age, what? And, and how did that come about? Uh, music, we could only hear music now and then when they had picnics and dance and would hear music. We didn't have a radio because there was no electricity. But a few people, the shop owners, primarily had radio. So that on Saturday nights, especially when they have the top 10 and music playing, they would attract people. So everyone would go to shop on Saturday night to hear music. Until, so that's primarily how I heard music through radio. Other people's radio, not our own radio. Well, what, what kind of music were you exposed to though back then? Oh man, so con on Sundays you hear your country and Western. Jim Reeves, that's why I like the bass in it. High tenor, Jim Reeves. He was yeah. number one. Right. Every Sunday, every Sunday. Very little jazz. And then they would play sporadically, would hear Jamaican music in between. Right. And yeah. Saturdays, no, a lot of reggae. No, there wasn't reggae yet. Skian Rocksteady. Uh, lots. And Duke Creed, I remember specifically Duke Creed and Treasure would buy time to feature their music on the radio. So on Saturday mornings, you play 15 or half an hour from Treasure Isle. You have a half an hour from Studio One. So the sound system meant from Kingston to Montego Bay and all around. We'd head to Kingston after they listen to the songs. Then they would go to Kingston, buy these songs, head back to country to have dance. Wow. Uh, so that's how it was done back then. Until um, one evening I was coming home from school and I saw uh, people, I heard music. And as I looked, I saw people in the yard listening. This guy came back from the States. He had a transistor. We'd never seen a transistor before. And so I said, wow, he could walk around with a transistor, move it, you know? No wires attached. Yeah, right. To get, to pick up the signal. So I said, man, I, I ran home. <laughs> I wrote my mom and I said, you remember you said anything I want? I want a radio. I said, no, they don't have them in England. She couldn't send one. So she went looking. She couldn't find any transistor. But this guy came back from the States. He was in New York City. He went to shop in New York because he was upstate New York, New York working on the farm. So he brought back a radio. And, so and my so this, mom, was, this was around what year? Why is like early when, when transistor when just came, yeah, whenever they just came. Right. So we went to Mandeville. I, I couldn't go alone, obviously. It was underage. Went alone, and we went to Universal Studio. And the, the owner is Chinese, Jamaican. He said, man, you know, he got five from Kingston, and they're gone. He had to order a new set, because people just... Right. So my mom spent 10 pounds, and when we went back, he sold one, and he had four. We took the one for eight pounds. My life changed ever since. I'm sure. And, and <laughs> oh, I, I, I specifically remember a story, Junior, of you telling me 
you've even told my daughters about uh, the transistor radio and a certain animal. Yes. Uh, so I used to have, wherever you see me, I have my radio because my grandmother would bring batteries from Kingston. So I almost always had a red, red battery. I didn't have to worry about that. So what I was riding, one hand, and I fell off the donkey. And the donkey, I, you know, I couldn't move. I was on the ground, and the donkey came back. I was killing me. I thought he was going to bite me. Now he's trying to get me off the ground. He's trying to help you up. Right, right. And I realized for the first time that animal is there since. So yeah. I'm in pain. Yeah, man. Where but I live is very stony. Very, very stony. But, but, was but, picking me up every day. but that was your donkey? Yes, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe the donkey also... Yeah, but maybe the donkey <laughs> also liked the music you were playing. <laughs> yeah, go right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> had, had a good taste. So with radio, I... <laughs> yeah. With, so with, with the, the transistor, now I became the man. You ask about cricket. You want to hear the news. Mm. And then top, and Saturday nights, now uh, top 10, man, top 10. So I didn't worry much about dance anymore. They didn't have picnic or dance. That's okay, because I have yeah. my radio. And that's likely where your, yeah. your, your love for radio, right, started as oh, well? Yes, that, that's what I said, right. I yeah. wanted to become the next Delroy Wilson, but couldn't see. In fact, all the kids in school at that time, because Delroy is just a few years older than me, so... My schoolmates, we all want to become the next Delroy. Right. He had all the girls. His teacher kicked him out of school because his principal was jealous. Right. He came on the radio around the clock. Delroy was first Jamaican child star. That's me. But I couldn't sing. So <laughs> I figured, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to become a radio host. Yeah. So yeah. I started building my soundtrack from then. I would listen. I never miss a studio one or a charger while 15 minutes or half an hour when the showcase their new songs for the week. Because what happened is, let's say Treasure Isle had 20 new songs that week. They had to fit them into 15 minutes. So in the solo, they would play to the solo the next song. Solo the next song. Yeah. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they could write. So they would play half an hour worth of maybe 20, 30 songs in half an hour, which the concept I brought to radio. Mm -hmm. Never dead air. Never, song never ended. Because I don't, Radio DJs in Jamaica at the time didn't really care much about the artists. It was about them. Because artists were seen, by and large, as, you know, poor lower class. So they, so, they, would, play, they, would, be, they would be playing a song, just cut into the song, read the news, tell the time, play a commercial. So, so not, much back, really give not back. much back announcing or anything of the sort? And it wasn't, yeah, they're not going to tell you about Derek Morgan. It's from Clarendon. Right. How many okay. songs? Very rare. Wow. Very rare. Okay. Uh, it was about the music and commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And DJ and they promote and they hyping themselves as the gods, which they were the gods. People listened to them religiously. There was nothing else to do but listen mm -hmm. to radio DJs. So I decided yeah. I would take a different concept. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we're absolutely going to talk more about radio, but um, how about your first couple of shows, that live performances that you saw down in, in uh, back home? So. Uh, I went to Kingston on a Saturday. And soon as I arrived, my cousin, my, my brother and a cousin said, they were going to show. I'd never gone to show before. I'd never had any opportunity. There were a few shows in Mandeville, but I, first, I didn't have enough money. Second, there was no transportation to take. You could get to Mandeville, but after night, you can't come back and shows are night. And so they said, oh, there's a show. And um, I think... Uh, the techniques were the headliners. Wow. I said, Mom, that, at that time, Slim Summit was the still the head honcho. 
Pat Kelly hadn't joined yet. And so we went to the show. I had some bad experience because we had good seats. My half-brother, he was a welder, so he, he had disposable funds, so we got us good seats. Then guys in the back would join stuff like us. So this is a, a sit-down theater type place? Yeah, man. Because eh, okay. eh, I was standing up getting excited and I chose stuff from <laughs> <laughs> So that was the first experience. And it's, it, it, it's an experience. It's so amazing. You won't forget. But it's hard to go back to country after this, you know, in country there's no light. There's no electricity. You know, yeah, Kingston. Up I can and imagine every, how. You, I, everywhere was jukebox playing, jukebox playing. Everywhere as you go back to country is really dead. So it's there right. was never any fun. Yeah. But blessed me. I had a radio. And my next live show now was Roy Shirley in Mandeville. So that nice. was 68. Yeah. My mom came home to get her green card. So I had disposable funds. But had no way of getting home from the show. But I said, I'm going to go to the show. I said, I sleep in the park in Mandeville with the homeless people. <laughs> but uh, a friend of mine came and picked me up and got me home. So those were the only two shows I saw in Jamaica. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, to see Roy Shirley in concert is just simply like nothing else. He was underground. You have to look, look at some of his earlier tapes, underground. Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I've seen some. It's yeah. amazing, kind of, kind of James Brown-esque. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, so thankfully you and got to see... revival James Brown. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Those two. And so thankfully you got to see Roy Shirley at Sierra Nevada World Music Festival. Yeah, before, which is right as a result passed. of that experience. Right, as a result of that experience. Now, I... When I encouraged Warren to bring him because yeah. I wanted to see him so much. And Warren used to listen to our recommendation. You yeah. and I discussed Roy. I said, yeah. yeah. So he brought him over. I'm yeah. eternally thankful to Warren. Yeah, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'll be forever uh, uh, regretting not attending that one, unfortunately. But, uh, but I saw some footage and the expanders from what I heard did an incredible job back in it mm. too. So. Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna Amazing. absolutely touch on that. So, um, mm -hmm. what other fond memories of Jamaica before we move on to 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 you? Well, the first twenty to, years is, is riding yeah. donkey is not a lot of memory. I mean, there's no memory in riding donkey. You know, my 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 cousin left country. He ran away when he was ten. He went to Kingston, saw the bright light. He was done. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. But at that time, it was unprecedented and unheard of for a 10-year-old child to run away. But my grandmother took him to market. He saw the lights, heard music. He's gone. So it was like, always... Literally, literally, literally ran away. Oh, man, no, no. A ten, how can a 10-year-old child run away to King study? That's not, I mean, but yeah. he had head problems, of course. So, he, okay. he, so they caught him and brought him back home. And then a few years after he left, they brought him back home. And then this third time he's gone. So they were, they, were, they were always concerned that maybe I would follow his path. But um, I'm not sure. I don't think these things are inherit, uh, herit, well, her, yeah. hereditary. But it, yeah. the other kids weren't complaining about the darkness. I mean, that's just what it is. But I went to Kingston and I saw the bright light. I want to stay. Well, yeah. and I'll, but also I think your relationship with your grandmother, I mean, it didn't sound like you were the type of, of young kid that would just up and leave, you know, at a young age. No, but you can Where would I stay in Kingston? Right, right. I, I don't know where, where my cousin stayed. No one knows. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Um, so, so you, you, the first place you moved to here in the United States was, was uh, New York. So, so tell us about right. what, what went into so, that decision making and, and, and mm -hmm. when was that? So, 71, when, before I moved to New York, I 
had I was exposed to um, the civil rights movement. So I was gaining consciousness through the civil rights movement and the black power movement had affected me, impacted upon me in many, many ways. As a for instance, I remember I went to a seven-day church and I saw a movie about the civil rights movement where you know, dogs were biting African-Americans and the South uh, saw a movie. They did a series of movies, one in South Africa, where uh, police were beating people in South Africa. And so those things had effect on me. So I said, whenever I come to America, I'm going mm -hmm. to, you know, join an organization and fight with African-Americans. Right. So uh, my mom sent for me, got my papers. So I think it's 70 or 71. And soon as I arrived, there was riots in Boston where they were beating blacks and lynching blacks. My mom said, no, you uh, can't even go there. She don't even know where, she don't even know where Boston is. Right. Are right. you going to go to Boston? But, but all she you knew know, was, was you need the, to focus unrest, on a job. Right. <laughs> you need to find a job. Yeah. So, and so a few years on, just before now, 74 now, so I came three years after my brother told me about construction organization because my mom sent for me. She migrated from England to New York, got her green card sent for me. So I was le legitimate, legal. And your brother, and your brother was already there in New York? No, still in Jamaica now, still in Kingston. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. Still in Kingston. And so I, when I arrived in New York, I heard about these demonstrations, couldn't go, didn't know anyone. But my brother told me about construction organization. The construction industry didn't hire too many blacks. In fact, they didn't hardly hire blacks because they were high paying job. If you got a construction job that lasted for five years, a lot of times you can buy a house in New York at that time. And so the organization, people got organized, blacks, Puerto Ricans, uh, not, too many, not, not too many Mexicans were in New York at that time, but Caribbean and Latin Americans in New York. And so we went to my first day out, because my brother said, you must join, the money is very big. And so you must join an organization. So we went up to join an organization. They said, oh, I had a car. So they were, they were massively excited because there was always a need for car. So they're going up to City College. I knew of City College, but had never gone there before. And we went up there the Monday morning because you have to protest and demonstrate for the jobs. They don't just give jobs. Again, mm -hmm. I mentioned construction mm -hmm. jobs were high-paying jobs. And so uh, they told me to about 20 of us, we're going to close down the job. These are terms I'm learning now. So your job, because I had, so one guy asked me if I had green card. Say so, yes, they had man asked me to go and stand on the bulldozer. So I think that's kind of crazy. So I jump up on the bulldozer, and the, the guy turned the keys off, turned off the bulldozer, and he said, "We're closed. The guys are here." I was so scared. Wow. And, and, you, and you didn't have any experience with construction. No, 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 no. But because I had green card, I figure if I'm arrested, I could get bail. The guys without green card oh, would be deported. I see. Wow. So they were on the side with picket sign. So they're pulling outside. I didn't even know they had signs. And so the construction job closed. They didn't call the police. So I said, no, I, I, this is not for me. I can't go back. So I, I don't want a job so desperately. So I went back home. I was living the farthest. Most of the guys were from Manhattan and the Bronx. I came in from Brooklyn. And so on Tuesday... Tuesday night, I'm watching the news. I saw these guys fighting with police and all students, massive riot at City College. Wednesday, I said, I'm going now. I said, I'm too scared. 
Thursday, so I, I, no, I'm not going back. More riot again. Every day, riot. City College. And so I remember I had a Malcolm X tape. And I played the Malcolm X tape. And Malcolm X said, when you're a man, you're not afraid to die. When you're not a man, you're not afraid to take someone's life. So you need to stand up for your rights. Mm-hmm. Friday morning, I jumped in my car, went to the office. A bunch of guys jumped in. And we head to City College. But by then, the violence was over. A lot of people got arrested. They called it. Mayor send representatives from his office, all kind of politicians. Because yeah. I learned later that organizations were connected to politicians, because politicians needed mm-hmm. to vote for them. Sure, and sure. So they, right, but it was just a bunch of guys, you know, uh, who, I guess, progressive and leftists, who said, we need to get jobs. If you're working in our community, you're going to provide jobs for us. And so before hey. long, I became one of their leaders, right? you know, one of the organizers. Right. That's what I was going to say. Is, is that was the start of your and kind of the, your entry way into being yes. being act, mm-hmm. active in the community and and uh, yeah, right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then well, that led me to join other organizations right. where we, I end up uh, going to Tupelo, Mississippi, Greensboro, North Carolina, Decatur, Alabama, demonstration against the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, there were a lot of lynching in the South. Wherever there was lynching, we would find our way there to demonstrate. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we drive day and a half, two days. So I'd stayed extremely active during those years. While the so good thing is I was a laborer in the organization and I had got my union card. So when you're a union member and you're not working, you go sign up for unemployment. There's never any question because you show your union card and they, you let them know you go to a union office. I never went. Yeah, I'm going to union hall to see when they have the next job. Ah, man, you're gone. <laughs> uh, but you re- really, we were just organizing, organizing, organizing in Brooklyn, Manhattan. Wherever right. there's construction work, we come together, we go organize. We need to get jobs for minorities as you can work in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it was a fascinating time. Yeah. What, what, was, what were some of the lessons and, and, and things that you picked up um, by being so active in the, you know, during that time? Good question. I, that was fulfilling my dream. as an, it, Again, growing up in Jamaica, and I saw what was happening to African-Americans. I said, I, I really and truly want to be part of this. I also learned discipline and voluntary work. Right, okay. That you have to be punctual, and you have to give in order to get. So Commit- it was no problem for me driving. Yeah. It was no problem driving up to Manhattan you know, five days a week, take guys to construction sites yeah. to, you know, help them get jobs. Yeah, right. And those are right. the lessons. Discipline and doing volunteer work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I bet. Um, what, about, what about radio? Did, did, you, did you attempt in, in your early years in New York to, to get on the radio? Yes, interestingly. Uh, so um, after construction work, well, I got arrested coming back from, from especially hometown they had lynched a black guy he had crossed he had crossed the train line and got lynched i don't remember the full details okay. and so we said you know let's go to um Edwards presley hometown and we went there and coming back we had guns in the cars guns helmets uh um, i had a gun my gun was the, the serial number was sawed off and so i got arrested and they were looking for the Black Liberation Army people. So they thought we were. They said, yeah, we got mm. some big fish. The police were saying on the rear, we got some big guys here. <laughs> and so they, they had us on a half a million dollar bail for four of us. 
and then we got some good lawyers. One came from uh, California, and good lawyer. One of my brethren was a dreadlock, so they, they had a top lawyer who heard about the case. And he, I guess he was a leftist, a progressive, so he okay. came to represent, represent us. So he saw my brethren and realist. I shot the sheriff, <laughs> Buffalo soldier. So right. um, we, 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 they did a good job, I guess, whatever they did. We, we got off. I only spent five days in jail. They kept reducing the bail until the um, trial. Oh. And then after the trial, I figured they put me on two years probation. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want to um, continue because organization was falling apart. And so I met a friend from California who said, oh, so what are you going to do when you, you know, in the years to come? I said, well, I said, I wanted to go to school to get a degree, at least for my ancestors, it's not for me, and get into radio. She said, wow, California is a place. But prior to that, I, my brother had a rec record shop and I used to run the record store. So I met a lot of people. I used to help people organize their radio show, especially the record collectors mm -hmm. who were looking for roots. I, I knew where to find that. So I would have music set aside for them on the weekend. So I got the opportunity to go on the radio a couple of times, but I didn't like it. I didn't know what to say with the microphone open because I, I had the wish and the desire. <laughs> I don't think I wanted to be trained properly. Okay. So right, right. a friend of mine said, look, he's, he's willing to share his time with me. And I said, I need training. I can't compete with these guys in New York. He, he didn't have training. He was satisfied with his presentation. I told him, no, I want to go to college to learn the yeah. ins and outs of radio. Mm -hmm. but, but the but, love but, started but, in Jamaica growing up with sure. my first yeah. radio, uh, listening to radio I said this is what I want because I can't sing like Delroy so I'm going to become <laughs> a radio person Right, but, but at least you acknowledged that, that, you, that you wanted and needed the formal training and, and your experience in New York listening to other DJs, what, picking up things that you like, that, what you don't like I mean, I'm sure that added to, to uh, obviously what you're, what you're doing today you know um, yes, uh, right. I wanted to live a regular life, whatever that is. You know, uh, my brother. <laughs> I thought my thought my brother was living a regular life. You know, he used to when Big Youth put out his first record, he was um, riding the bike and Big Youth was on the back. The fella, he knew everyone in Kingston. Right. Never miss, and he knew every new song that I couldn't hear. So I said, man, he's living a regular life. Right. And so this is your brother Delroy. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, who, Delroy. Who, he owned a Park Heights record. Right, that's what I was going to say. So he had Park Heights rec records in, in Brooklyn? Mm -hmm. Yes, in the heart of Brooklyn. Um, Eastern, Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue, 317 Utica Avenue. Okay. And, and so tell us about some of your experiences, because uh, you worked there? Yeah. Uh, you're coming in, Choppy. Oh. The, um, the, he, my first, just before the record store opened, we had a meeting, me and him, he said, let's link up. And guess who he was meeting with? Heptones. Leroy Siblis had already left. <laughs> so Heptones. <laughs> I don't hear about these guys, Heptones. Oh, I said, okay. So my brother said he had an album and he wanted me to go to the Bronx. And Heptones said, they want to ride. Me and Heptones in the same car. My brother said, he can't make it. Wow. wow. So we go to the Bronx. Moody's and, and some other store in the Bronx. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, you're, driving, you're driving Heptones. <laughs> yeah, they're off-card in Brooklyn. But yeah. they, they brought the finished product to my brother, finished, and he, he bought it from them. 
package and everything. So uh, then my brother, uh, Big Jude, came to town. Now the record shop is open. Big Jude came to town. So this Big Jude said, yeah, your brother is best friend, man. And the guy Roots Radic passed through. Yeah, man, they all know my brother. Wow. So many guys. Nine yes, Holmes. He, oh. Yeah, you had the opportunity Tommy to meet so many of the greats. Clancy yeah. Eccles. Eh? Really? Wow. Yeah. Some of some of the all-time yeah. greats. Um, so since you touched on... Yeah. Since you touched on Heptones, um, mm-hmm. so so there there's a song that you uh, that you wrote based on a poem. Will, will you tell the viewers uh, right. <clears throat> about that one? Uh, so I had access to Heptones, and it me to you know I should become a producer. So I think is a joke because I had no knowledge, and my interest really lies in really being on radio. I just I was just monofocus radio, radio, radio. And so I remember seeing Muta Baruka, and I was massively impressed. And I had gone to London a few times. There I, I kept going to Linton Kwesi Johnson's office until I meet him. I, I just kept going every week until I met up with Linton. And so I said, man, these guys are really brilliant. So I want to put out a dub's poetry song. So I said, Heptones, you're on one side, me on the other side. I said, okay, cool. So I, I gave Heptones um, a song based off Swing Low, Swing Chariot. And the other half would be Amen. So I gave them the melody and said, if they can fuse Swing mm-hmm. Low and Amen. Because I, I, I never wrote anything before. I didn't but, know about the verse. And, uh, but that, that, was on, I just wrote uh, that was on a really big rhythm, though, right? Yeah, Shankar Shek rhythm. I bought it from a guy in Canada. Because wow. in a record store, you have access to everything, everything. Sure. If yeah. you want to put out a book of poetry, I know a guy, you just give him X amount, he bring you back a book in two weeks, everything. So it wasn't hard getting rhythm. And plus, my brother had rhythm, Black Amara. Lots of people gave me rhythm. Heptones had their own rhythm. Hepton mm-hmm. gave me some songs I haven't put out. And so we went to the, uh, I rented a space in a recording studio. And I went over the song, went over, went over the poet, poem, white poem, went over it, went over it. Gave hip to one's days. They came back the next morning ready and they changed a few lines from swing low, sweet chariot to amen. Mm-hmm. No, I had amen. And they said, no, no, no. Amen is too church, too churchy call. So they wanted to go more rasta. So they said, heal Jaman. Mm-hmm. Leroy Sibbles wasn't with them at the time. So they changed the chorus line to heal Jaman. And so we both went, they did their voicing. I did my voicing. So, but, so, um, so it was a seven When single? I showed, when I showed, no, man, right. 12 inch back then. Everything okay. was 12 inch. So, so, yeah, so, so 12 inch 12 single inch. on one side, Heptones. On the second side, yeah. you, you actually, Junior Francis, yeah. Junior Francis doing some dub poetry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, it's half, half singing, half talking. Right. No, this but is. What happened? I, I, I never told you before. I guess the project died then and there. So I, I showed Heptones the poem, Barry, to be specific. Since he had Booker Rules, uh, was Booker Rule out yet? I think so. But that was a big song. Yeah, Booker Rule was out because this is early 80s now. So he said, you know, yeah, nice poem. Nobody's going to say it's not good. I'm the producer, right? So he said, um, but you need a punchline. I never heard it. I, I don't know what a punchline is. So I'm saying, yeah, take a line and make it a punchline. <laughs> uh, so they kind of threw a curveball. So I went to the studio and I kept one of the line was Mama Megan gone to South Africa. The poem was about South Africa. Okay. So right. I kept saying, Mama, me gone. And if I'm gone and I get killed, don't cry. 
go ahead again. Mama be gone. So I kept saying that throughout the poem. And I, I, I didn't really like it. But nevertheless, I put it out. And wow. I knew some radio DJs, so they yeah. played it. And uh, Miss Wirewest got all of a copy and she played it because it was during the anti-apartheid era, sure. the heart yeah. of the anti-apartheid right. era. Right. So Miss Wirewest played it and I sent promotional copy to a few other DJs. So I got some earplay there. So by the time I came here in 86 and called Miss Wirewest, she already knew who I was. Wow. So, so, so uh, that's, how many, that, was, that was the start and the end of my recording career. How many, how many copies do you have uh, in your collection? So I think they came in back to see if either 50 or 25. I can't remember at the time. And if it, uh, yeah, so I just printed one box. But, but do you, do you, 50, to, this, 20, to, uh, this, to this day, do you have any uh, in your possession? And I, I asked for selfish, have, for self, selfish Nick reasons. From, <laughs> Nick from San Diego sent, Nick from San Diego mailed me a copy recently. He found All it right. and mailed me a copy. Nick, yeah, Nick he's a radio Nick. DJ and, um, San Diego. Well, one of these, one of these days, so I, I do have a copy here for you. All right, I have, eh? I have to hear it. I have to hear it. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one that wants to hear it. Um, uh, <laughs> you got to see, you got to see Bob Marley perform in New York. Tell us about that experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, again, um, after all the credit goes out to my brother. So some of my good friends are going to the show, but. I have a phobia for being a massive crowd like Madison Square Garden. So I, I had tickets, but I said, no, I can't, I, I'm not going to Madison Square Garden. It's too frightening. And my brother thought I was stupid. He said, man, you're not in Manchester anymore. You're in, you're in America. So he wanted a poster, a Bob Marley poster with the Buffalo sword. Uh, I think it was, yeah, one of those albums. I can't remember. So, no, you got to get me the big poster for my collection and stop being covered. I said, no, I, too much crowd at Madison Square Garden. So anyhow, I decided to go. And um, because the ticket I got was late, it was purchased late. Because he purchased a ticket when he was there. They had opened a section for, I guess, to make room because the lower sections were all sold out. Wow. So it was way up. And Bob Marley was this big. <laughs> I was so far away. But wonderful show, wonderful show. At the end of the concert, only time I saw Bob, the end of the concert, I said, you know, I'm staying to see the Commodore because Bob was the opening up. All right, yes. And when I look yeah, around, Madison Square Garden, I was the only one sitting down. Every dread, every rust, every bald head from Brooklyn, Ronks and Queens <laughs> was at the concert. And I said, well, it's unwise for me to stay here. I've never seen a mass exodus like that before. So uh, when Commodores came out, on the, right. you know, I've, yes, man, every man got every dread in New York was there. <laughs> wow. Well, that must have been pretty amazing. Uh, what, what was was the performance? Did it live up to uh, what you thought it would be like? Oh, yeah. You remember his coming mom before the Commodores. He's opening act and he, yeah. he I mean, his mind, I think he's thinking that see all these rastas. Of course. And yeah. people from the Caribbean in the audience. And he's opening, he's opening for Rich, Rich, Richie. The Commodores, I think he think he should be the closing Richie, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he really put on a show. I think Bob wasn't thinking that. Look at these people. Yeah, no. Lionel right. Richie's on John, his people here. Oh, they were yeah. the show, man. Hey, hey, right. They, I think it was like their third stop. In the okay. Court. So okay. they were fresh. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, also in New York, uh, you once told me a story about um, 
seeing uh, the the wonderful and late great saxophonist of Scandalites, uh, Roland Alfonso. Yeah, right. You know, uh, in in summation, I didn't know I had spent so much time with my brother before the record shop. So we, he liked sinapa, expensive fish, red, red sinapa and goat fish. So there's a market that they go to. And he said, you know who that is? You know, there was a guy selling record. <clears throat> and he walked, hip shotted. I said, no. So I said, boy, he, yeah, it's Roland. So what Roland? That's Catalyze, Roland. He's here every Saturday, Friday and Saturday, selling records at their fish market. I got teary. I, I couldn't believe wow. somebody right. of that status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at that time, they were like a team, maybe one or two at the most reggae band in New York. So there weren't many live acts coming through. They were sporadically. It was mostly basement parties, mm-hmm, basement, mm-hmm. basement. And to be frank, I can't even think of maybe one or two clubs, the Bronx had club, but not Brooklyn didn't have a reggae club, but Bronx had. And so um, it was difficult, if not virtually impossible, for someone like Roland to get work. In later years now, when like producers like my brother and some of the other producers and your life, Okay. You know, yeah. started producing, then they would hire Roland. But before it was rough, rough, rough going, rough going. Right. So I saw right. Roland selling fish. records at the fish market. Yeah, that must have been tough. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. speaking on speaking was on a tough uh, one. staying on the Scott tip before we before we talk about your your travels out west. Um, during that time in in New York, did you see any of the other Scott uh, Rocksteady legends come through, or or any of the earlier yeah. artists? I. They were, the Central Park used to give free concerts. I saw Max Romeo, because he had left Jamaica. I think Manly forced him to leave. And so oh, wow. he semi-exiled, self-imposed exile in New York. And so he got a show at Central Park. They had free bandstand. I saw him. I saw Mighty Diamonds, of course, Heptones. And I, there was a, a young lady in New York was sick, had some terminal illness. And so Scatterlights came in to do a fundraiser for her. Wow. I saw them. So this, and, this must have been shortly after they were just reformed in the early, mm, uh, yes, ma'am. early mm-hmm. 80s, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all the horn players from Jamaica, they had like eight horn players in the house. Wow. They started, because these guys knew the songs. They were Scatterlights. Yeah. They knew yeah. the songs. Right. Like eight guys on horn. I mean, Eric, eight guys, yeah. eight guys yeah. just joined it. And they knew each other from Kingston. So they just joined into a massive jam set. I never forget an Eastern Parkway. Yeah, almost similar to what we had when Rico was I, here. I, I, I was just thinking that. Yeah, that must have that must have been some of the yeah. inspiration mm-hmm. for that idea. Yeah. Yes. Wow. All the guys came up with a trombone, trumpet, and saxophone. Yeah. Jackie yeah. Mitchell was with them at that time. Tommy Roland. So that was just after your first reunion. Right. Sun right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, yeah. And I, I, Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, so most of the acts that came through, Mota Baruka, Ital's first appearance, Gladiator's okay. first appearance, yeah, I saw them all the in New York. Heavy, heavy roots. Byron Dunleavy's first New York appearance, I saw them. Okay. New York is, was where it was happening, not sure. the West Coast as yet, Brooklyn right. and, and Manhattan. I bet. Yeah, so all bet. those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now moving, uh, moving west. Mm-hmm. What 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 was what was the basis and around when did you decide to come out here? Uh, so that was I came first to see what the place was like the year they had the Olympics, eighty something, eighty four. Eighty four. 
you know, I was working in records runner, this side of friend invited me. As I told you, as I told you earlier, she said, Oh, so what you're gonna do with yourself? <laughs> I said, Wow, I hadn't thought of that. I was afraid to tell her, but then I told her, you know, I really want to be in radio and go to college. And she said, Los Angeles is the place. You know, you at community college, you know, five dollars a class, not a credit, five dollars for an entire class. It was free, now it's gone up five bucks. So I came uh, the following year and um I signed up. Started going to a college in LA. But things was real rough, real rough. Job and just nothing was working out. And so my brother said he had produced a Ken Booth album. Imagine and one with Blues Busters and Barbara Jones. <clears throat> so oh. he, he didn't have his green card. So if I wanted to go to England to cut a deal for him, and I jumped on the opportunity. And so I stayed there for, it was 86. I started of 86, I stayed in winter. So 85, 86, I went to England, spent six weeks, came back, spent, and in the summer of 86, I came back here. And um, the lady who I was staying with, um, I was no longer welcome. <laughs> And so <laughs> I took my stuff up. But I had met this guy who was a member of the Black Panther Party. And he said, oh, yeah, come and stay with him. But I also told him when I was leaving that I had a van. You could always use my transportation. Mm -hmm. No worries. So he was using my car. So it was a wonderful idea that I you know, said, if any problem, because he was doing a lot of driving from Pomona. So he said, yeah, man, come and stay. And so a roommate as a Black Panther Party member, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I would share experiences with him about yeah. the East Coast and he sure. would share his experience because he was in jail out here. And then he decided to go back to school to become a teacher. Marvin Jackson. Oh, and all so, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember you may have met about Marvin. Him. I have, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I came back and started going to school. But it was very encouraging. So I enrolled at Mount San Antonio College. I took every broadcasting class they had repeatedly, an English class, so I could learn English. That's why, that's why you're, so, you're, so, you're so great at the English, English language. Are you well kidding me? Yeah, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, so I got my associate there in radio broadcasting and television broadcasting. But um, when I left school, I realized that was, you know, you, you really don't know how to speak uh, just because you're you know, taking broadcasting class. You really have to learn the real deal. And so I spent a lot of time segueing, you know, thought that would make me a good radio host. So I'd spend hours on my free time at Mount Sack, segueing from song to song. Listen when one song ends. Trans you know, Transitioning is key, yeah. 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 And then I realized, well, that, that's, that's not even making me a good <laughs> <laughs> And so I realized I... They didn't have access to um, radio DJs from Jamaica. Barry G was the number one run about that time. But I have friends in England who would send me tapes and I would listen to some of those DJs. And I realized that the key was not segueing. The key was to build a radio vocabulary. <laughs> so I started building that vocabulary wow. specifically and primarily for radio. Conscious effort, uh, right. You, okay. Yeah, you, Oh, night and day, man. I work night and day, man. When I was sleeping, I'm tiling. Because <laughs> I wanted to be above, you know, perform above the media. Right. Yeah. And so I started working extensively on vocabulary. And that's, that's and one then, of the reasons you always carry, you always carry a notepad. I do? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, I remember one day I heard Mark at a, a recording by Martin Luther King, and he said that when you start late, first you're black, so you're way behind, and you're starting late. So I've said, I'm multiple steps behind, so I have to work double hard to catch up. Wow. So back then you had Roger Stephan, he was the king, Roger Stephan. You had Barbara Babino was on the air, Miss Wyoways was on the air. Mm -hmm. Roberto was on K-Rock. Right. Those guys were established. They were institution in California. Yeah, yeah. And here me, you know, coming from records in Brooklyn, that's all I had knowledge and the desire. And so yeah. I went to work. I'm still trying to work how to become a, practicing how to become a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so um, what year did you start at KSPC? 86, I started at Mount Sac on their radio station, February of 87. And then I figured, okay, with all the classes I've taken between 86 and 87, I should have a leg up. My friend, I tell Jim, was working. He had interviewed me a couple of times and brought me in to show me, you know, the board. Because he was going away on vacation, uh, sabbatical. And I refused the job. So in December, I figured I was ready. Lack of practice. And December in 87, I signed on to KSPC and they gave me a job. But it reminded me it was only for the winter break. <laughs> and so <laughs> I remember specifically, <laughs> as I remember specifically, I said, I have to sell myself. And I thought it was a student at the time who was the program director. I said, you know, it took me six days to drive from Brooklyn to California to be on radio. Six days. Wow. So this can't be just, a, I mean, don't you have always yeah. when students do not hard? So Junior, with that kind of effort, I sign you up. And I won't change your time from six. You're on six o'clock. Because by and large, students were the ones who got the daytime part. Yeah, programming. Right. Mm -hmm. So he said with that, you, I'm sold after I told six days, which is very true. You know, I drove across town, made a stop in Miami, stopping. I was with a friend. We stopped in, stopped in Louisiana. And then um, when we got to El Paso, Texas, he said, you know, he could have been in the Bahamas with his girlfriend. He's accompanying me. We had a big argument mm -hmm. across town. So he left. And I, I was so frightened I couldn't leave Texas. Literally frightened. My nerves yeah. were shattered. Wow. Yeah. And so I decided Crazy. to sleep in a rest. I just first... Yeah, first rest area I started sleeping because I didn't have money. He had a credit card because we made sure that there was some money in his credit card. So just in case we had a breakdown, we wouldn't be stuck. Mm -hmm. He had to go back to work. He, he had taken a week off. And so I made it cross down. So I'm not even sure what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's quite a Oh, story. radio experience. Yeah, experience yeah. here in California. So really, um, yeah, when people are sleeping, I'm, you know, trying to perfect the art. Yeah, of, um, right, right. So, so KSPC, you you have literally been on continuous. This mm. is the, this is the end of two thousand twenty. Yes. You've been continuous since eighty six, eighty seven. December a, this time, December. That's incredible. That's incredible, Junior. Congratulations on that. Uh, some that, people see that, that, that as wasting time, but um, no, no, no. <laughs> but that would be amazing if that was the only radio uh, show. So, so let's talk mm. about. Let's talk about you meeting Roberto and Gotti. Roberto, the original mm -hmm. K-Rock revol uh, reggae revolution DJ before Swedish Eagle and before Wayne Jobson. How, how did that come about, meeting Roberto? Um, he had ties with people in the Inland Empire. 
because he was on KSPC, so he knew some of the locals. So I became sort of the party guys. I used to play at the local party because I have all the records. And so he came to a couple of parties, then that's how we met. And mm -hmm. then since I'm on the radio too, I got to meet a lot of people, as I mentioned before, that's how I met Barbara, Barbie, you know, that's how I met Miss Wireways because I was right. in yeah. ra on radio now. Yeah. Met the guys from Riverside. So Roberto um, lost his job on K-Rock and he decided to do three o'clock reggae. Mm -hmm. So he was Gr on Friday ground, night. Groundbreaking, <clears throat> groundbreaking in itself. Yes, so he was on Friday nights, either Friday or Saturday, one of those nights. I said, well, let's link up. We have to, it's broker time. We have to buy time from the um, radio station. So we bought the time and he said, let's move to three o'clock and go five days a week. Daily, yeah. And the program director agreed. And so with my empty pocket, I jumped at the opportunity. So I took out a loan. And we, he did all the promotional work made flyers, because he had connection from K-Rock, and we started right. doing 3 o'clock right. reggae. Yeah. And up with, uh, the first live show we did, because we wanted to test the water, a big thank you to Isacha was at Boris Fish Tour, Fishman's Tour. Fish market. <laughs> I, yes, man, so tasty. So, Ja Lloyd brought Wendy Shaw. We did a um, live interview there. It was good for them, too, and my experience doing live show that was the first one. It's something I dreamt about because in Jamaica yeah. there was a big thing on Saturday mornings. You know, the DJs go to the plaza in Mandeville and interview people. Massive turnout. Yeah. So that was right. really good. I guess. Yeah. So, thanks so, so, so all it the was very involved. it was very special because it was a Monday through Friday show, right, daily. And also the continuous line mm -hmm. broadcast, right? Yeah. Who who are some of the other guests yes. that you had during the broadcast? Um all the, a lot of people passed through Barrington Levy, Welling Souls. Um, we had Barrington, I mentioned Barrington, Yellow Man. Might, um, we had um, Burning Spear, that was large. That's when oh, I yeah. officially remember meeting Russell. I think I'd seen Russell around, but I remember him from that in Orange County at the Tower Records. All right, yeah. And, I, and you know, we did a lot of other places, uh -huh. but we were regularly at Tower Records down here in Newport Beach, live. Three o'clock reggae. And, and, and Junior, turn out at different events. I, I need to interject that a lot of the people that we're talking about, and good thing you're talking very fondly of them. They're they're watching. Roberto's on. Russell's on. <laughs> they're watching this. So uh, <laughs> this is great. My reception it's is good support. Oh, repeat your question again. Oh no, I was just saying. No, I can't. Uh, some of the people that we're talking about, Roberto and Russell, they're actually watching this this interview. So, so just, just, a, just a little asterisk there, and, and, uh, and great, great uh, that you're talking very fondly of them versus uh, <laughs> dragging their name through the mud. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, because I'm, I'm going far, you know. I mean, I'm, no, of course. Oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm going places, man. I, so I look at the positive in Reagan, I move. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but so these I, are people who, um, I mean, if, if, regardless, uh, uh, let's assume that we had some bad time, but the mere fact that Roberta took me to that other level. No, absolutely. Me to... Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, three o'clock yes. reggae um, was, was, uh, had quite the... Uh, had quite it was the an institution in Orange County. Right, mm -hmm. yes. Um, KXLU. So, so how did that come about, your, 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 uh, your, mm -hmm. your show there? I was coming from Bob Marley Day in Long Beach, <clears throat> one night 
and I went to Record Story. It's, the name is escaping me now. And you caught me, I, I guess, get to radio. And so he's, you know, we were talking. He said he's leaving town. I said, oh, yeah, he's, I think he said he's going to Texas. And oh, I had gone to the studio one day with um, Russ Michael, asked me to drive him over. So I met him and I met Thomas. So we knew each other. Mm -hmm. And I came home that night and I remember, oh, he'd ring, you know, I said, alarm went off. Cockney's leaving town. You want to get in LA market? Go and ask him for the job. So the next day, boom, I went to uh, the record store. I said, Cockney, I want the job. <laughs> I said, man, I'm glad you asked. You're the best person. <laughs> yeah. I asked him years after, well, how you decided me? He said, yeah, the discipline at KSPC, the discipline. Well, I don't want to shame his friends if they are watching, but they said, yeah, he had a million friends, but they weren't disciplined. He yeah. wanted someone sure. to stay who would be there every day. You can't, because the DJ, when it's time to leave, he's gone. So you don't yeah. want to have people who are not reliable. They're incompetent, of course, you know, but not reliable. Friday night is a sacrifice, but tremendous yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. If you love the nightclub, that's okay, right. but you have to. Say Friday night, I'm going to the radio station, and the DJ prior is leaving on top of the oh, he's not going to stay around and wait. Yeah, and so he said, You have the job. So I did some filling for him, and then he said, You know, he's gone, him and his wife. Yeah, they left for Texas, and uh, so it became the great, show for the great of a definition. Mm. The great cocktail. So I, I remember ushering in the, the new millennium, uh, so I must have been there filling in for him periodically in 99 because he had started doing a lot of club shows okay yeah friday night so it was interfering with him i had no better no better life nothing else to do worthwhile more than being there to fill in so whenever he called i was there on early yeah. friday night. yeah right and you've been and mm -hmm. you've been there continuous since and, and and i and i do want to thank you for uh i i've uh i've had the pleasure of filling in for you a few times as well on your uh, on cake, so you yes, on many always, always love doing. I it. think, yeah, in nineteen uh, ninety nine, no, I had um, my my boss changed my schedule when I was doing nine to five, to har is harassment to, so that I would quit the job. Uh, two two thousand nine, so, two thousand nine, right? So that's what. Yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. Into two thousand ten, into two thousand ten. Now I came back, so I was off approximately a year. They did right. everything they can to fire me so they wouldn't have to give me pension. So oh, you filled in. Horrible. Russell filled in. Yeah. Ernesto yeah. Uh, filled in. Thank you all. And then oh, 2010, they officially laid me off. And I said, what a, what, what a day in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> a blessing. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said, you're... whatever sacrifice. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I would deal with whatever challenges. And yeah. so since 2010, uh, uh, you know, basically been doing it. I've missed a nightclub, dub club. Whenever they have live acts, I'm always here, you know, the freedom. Of course. Yeah, true. And uh, I went to, went to look for work once or twice, but um, it's primarily, you know, the freedom. So I just said, oh, early retirement. <laughs> right, right. Um, so sticking on, sticking on radio, uh, Hot 92.3. T tell us about, tell us about uh -huh. that experience. So, wait, you should tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> You, so, <laughs> well, I, um, I guess, every, well, well, 
maybe we had talked about um, we have to come back to reggae nuclear. So yes, we will. Every time we would meet, because we would meet a lot, I would you know tell you about my desire, my wishes, or my desires burn to get a commercial radio. And so you were at a meeting with someone. Maybe I should mention her name. Eileen, uh, salesperson. Eileen. All right, Eileen. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so Eileen said, you know, I think her friend, I forget her friend's name, she said, you know, we need a reggae show on Hot 92, Hot 92.3. And you said to her, I know the right person. <laughs> so that was after Roberto. And I'd done some other stuff to with Mr. Wireways and all that. So this was um, now the first commercial radio station. If, well, actually, three o'clock reggae was commercial. Right. But um, with a frequency that covers all of Southern sure. California. Sure, yeah. And so you said, you know, the right person. Theo was the man in town. He would mm -hmm. draw a thousand. As a matter of fact, they were yeah. number two and three. They were hot at the time. And so uh, you went and spoke to whoever you needed to talk to, and they brought me into the one hour show with Chris Luce. So I right, was on 11 from midnight. Night. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the show got so popular, we were number two. We knock off Kiss, knock off KJLH, knock everything off, knock off wow. 104, knock yeah. off 101. And we were right behind power with the nights. Even Rick did. Wow. He said, man, you guys are doing good. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, that must have been you a guys good are doing good for right? the stage. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. And me and Chris. So we did that for uh, just under a year, and a new program director came in and said, "You guys shouldn't come back to the station." <laughs> right. Yeah, but, 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 all, but, but you yeah, still. I think they took what they call BLOCK block programming. I just saw one format, and the thing on Sundays now they had a, a talk show, but it was just all. And now they kept um, and all these guys. So I think they had two shows, but all the yeah. other specialty shows were taken off. Right. But, but you still had KSPC and KXLU going at that time. Yeah, yeah, I, was at, yeah I was doing three stations, KXLU. Right, right. Uh, at 92, I switched my time on KXLU to Thursday night. So I was doing KXLU at 92 and KSPC. Not, not, many, not many DJs can say that, Junior. Mm -hmm. um, so so let's uh, so let's talk about uh, Reggae Nucleus magazine and, and how how you and I met because um, that's that's obviously a, a, high, a high point in, in, in my life. So uh, we can thank Courtney Miners and Culture Beat Records because I believe that's one of one of the places I can't remember if it was either Long Beach or Los Angeles, but one of those locations of his is where I used to see you. Um, you know, we were both digging through the crates, you know, looking uh, for music. Religiously every Saturday. Ireno, uh, Ireno, yeah. my 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 mm -hmm. uh, uh, old old high school uh, friend and partner in, in reggae nucleus. He and I would would mm -hmm. go to Culture Beat. We'd see you, and I think I think maybe Courtney might have introduced us. But um, right, I, I, if if that story's correct. No, no, no. I I I I'd seen you before and at concerts, and you gave me the um, you gave me magazine because you, you you never tried for them but we never really had any serious yeah we talk about music on the surface right right but um we, we but yeah so technically we officially became friends there yeah mm -hmm. right and um so reggae nucleus was in full swing but um 
I had an idea and I was met with maximum rejection from you, I tell you what. I was doing club escapade. So I, I had an idea. See, back then I had sense. So I said, if reggae, if Eric and Ernest and Irena and all these guys have the magazine, because you were working with those guys, Russler, Ernesto, Rude, yeah, so I said, right. okay, maybe these guys could help me with the promotion of the show and I could help with the magazine some sort of way. And so you said, you were doing a show in, at Long Beach State. Oh, you yeah. Said, Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I couldn't come in as partner. I was, I said, you said this guy, don't worry, man. One day when I make my name in California, you'll beg me work for you. <laughs> Junior, I, so don't, we kept I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember that, and I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I, I was that, being that, opportunistic. <laughs> I was being opportunistic because I'm looking for a free ride because even though at the time I was doing Escapade, it was very successful. We had His Majesty's yeah. birthday and Wow. Everyone, you know, came. It was massive roadblock. Uh, Russ Michael made a couple of appearances. We had um, Nicodemus, Daddy Freddy, all the guys. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. They couldn't get shows in LA, so they would, you know, Inland Empire. So that was going pretty good. So I figured, well, if I can take it once, uh, uh, um, one step further. So let me link up with you and then. Because did, we didn't officially meet, you know, other than since you have the magazine, I was trying to force a partnership. But one day, Arenos, um, we went, no, you and I and Areno went. I think if it's at Bakersfield, it's Yeah, signed. Bakersfield. It was Bakersfield. Uh, Bakersfield, right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And since then, he never came back. So you come every Saturday. Junior, you come here. So me and you on the road. We, we, we had, Junior had some <laughs> of the never best came back. And I felt, I, felt, I felt some sense of guilt. I wonder if I drove him away. It was a small pickup truck with three of us squeezing the front. I said, did I take his place? When you call no. me every, every week, we are on the road sometimes three times a month. Junior, let me tell you. Up coast to coast, San Diego <laughs> to Santa Barbara, dropping off magazines. I, I, had I had such a wonderful time dropping off the magazines, going around the different Jamaican restaurants and, and, and record mm. shops. And you introducing me. You know, mm. I got to meet a lot of the business owners and people from the, uh, the reggae scene. And, and, and I'll forever be grateful and remember that. I mean, I had some great times talking and listening to some music as we're, as we're driving around, you know. <laughs> Yes, was, uh, and, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. what I got to learn too about the two tone because I <clears throat> I'd heard the term two turn two tone before. Right. I heard the terms the term skinhead reggae before. Didn't know what those terms were. Because in Jamaica they call it was an official name, but skinhead skinhead it was known as agro reggae, a name that was given to the skinhead reggae by Bonnelly. He called it agro reggae. Mm -hmm. So I know it as agro, but skinhead. Then I started learning, oh, these are skinny, these are the songs. I said, I have them in my collection. He said, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> we, 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 we definitely learn from, from each other. Um, oh, of course, of course. So, so you also... Back to the magazine, see... though. That, that was, I, I, I felt a, a sense of loss. It's like a, a family died when the magazine went out. I was really subjective towards it. I felt a lot, a lot of anger. No, I said, there's got to be a way we yeah. can keep this thing going. Yeah, I mean... It I really mean, served a wonderful yeah. purpose. No, you know? it, it did. It did yeah, really. and my, my dream to become a writer, you know, when I wrote that cover article for, for Bonnie Whaler, Bonnie Whaler was coming to town and I did the feature. I said, oh, man, my ego went like this. I know, I know. I listened to this. Wow. Yeah. A featured artist from magazine. Imagine. I couldn't even write. I didn't know what I was saying, but I wrote something.
Yeah, Junior, you would you would handwrite some of your articles. Yeah, and then you had to. I would have to transfer. In addition, I would have to transfer. Yes, and then type because I couldn't type. No, it was it was. Listen, I'm. And then you would just whatever you think. You would just. I told you you had the freedom to to translate from Jamaican patois to English. I, I promise I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make any significant changes. Um, but no, I mean, listen, listen. It was the magazine was around for for nine nine years. I mean, we we, we had some incredible issues, and we should we should thank yeah. and, and we should thank Russell and and Ernesto and Rude Gal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the the McTaggart family. Um, yes, my brother, right. my brother Named Jason, uh, the, Named the late, mm -hmm. the right. late Bob, Bob Salzman, who took some amazing photos. Mm -hmm. uh, that we featured and yeah i mean it was uh -huh. listen made some lifelong friends because of the magazine yes. and, uh -huh. and it, it it was very good that's how we got into sierra nevada so we got into other yeah. these festivals yes. you know what i mean no, it's true. got to it's interview true. a lot of artists I, you know yeah. of course i could have interviewed them on the radio but it was different when you do it for the magazine right uh -huh. right yeah 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 really yeah. wonderful man so, true yeah that was yeah i was in Perhaps the best part of my life than Reggae Nucleus magazine and uh, wow. the radio. It wasn't that more to ask for. It could I have asked for it. Maybe it'd win, win the latter, so then we could really establish a <laughs> right. magazine and yeah. buy a radio station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, it was also right yeah, but, before, uh, right before uh, the time where we could have transitioned it, you know, to to, to online, you know. Um, but right. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah the opportunity about... was knocking, but we, yeah, we didn't, we, yeah, we could have jumped on it. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, you said it. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your yeah, MC work. The, 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 the festivals and ah. concerts. You, uh, how did you MC? Right. How did that come about? So, they, um, I, when I, st I started doing the club in Pomona, so Claremont, Mount Clear, Escapade, so I could learn the MC work because nobody's going to put you and a show to learn MC and to DJ in a club, because it's different from doing radio. <clears throat> and so I started um, uh, doing a, and, and introducing artists at the club. So yeah, getting my feet wet. And I, one night I went to Music Machine and said, Russ Michael, because I knew him mm -hmm. over the years. I wanted to introduce him. Say, oh yeah, man, glad, no problem. So I introduced him and I was really disappointed. I thought it was a disaster. And I really beat myself upside the head. And I remember when Marcus Garvey gave his first speech, he was so nervous that he fell down. Mm. And so this is true, documented. So he went to church Sunday morning to see how the preachers were at the stage so he could learn from them. So after that, Mass Michael experience, I said, no, I have to learn how to. So I started doing the club, got my experience, getting experience there. And then I remember... A barber, a barbino's tongue to her, her first old school jam. And we were there. I remember Alton Ellis and I think Big Youth and a few other artists were there. <clears throat> Hopton Lewis, yeah. Uh -huh. So I said, Roger, walk up. Roger, Roger very Steffens. polite, very dignified. Yeah. Yes, man. Yeah. Roger Stephan. He was the man who was on the radio. And Chuck was on the radio too, but he was more upfront, Roger. And so he said, Barbara, I want to bring on um, Alton Ellis. So I said, okay. After he finished talking to us, I said, Barbara, I want to bring on someone. He said, oh, yeah, we don't have MC. Take the job. Who you want to bring on? I must have been um, big youth. And so 
I said, I'm going to learn from Roger, but he was coming on last because <clears throat> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so, wow. So, that's all to the question. Know you on your own. So, when Big Youth came, my turn, Barbara gave me something to read, man. I was so nervous. She flipped it And those, I tell you, those memories, they don't leave you. So, I fold the paper, put it in my pocket after I finish. And I remember I said two lines because I didn't want to take Roger's approach, which is rigid. Mm -hmm. Talk about mm -hmm. the history of the artist. I took a different approach. So I went up to the end of the stage and I said, the line was, from 19XYZ, he's been rumbling like a freight train. So I went down and I rumbled back up. I got one more line, still rumbling. Then I went into big youth history, like give two sentences and say, bring the youth. And people start to, when I look, you, I was so nervous, I made no eye contact with anyone. <laughs> Not zero. So I came off the stage and I went to the back. You said, Junior, you did good. But I didn't take your word for it because we're friends. You're biased. But leaving the show that night, I remember a guy by the name of Kiafinal. He was talking to someone and he said, man, blood clad where that Jamaican guy come from. So I never <laughs> seen him before. And then a the guy said to him, they didn't see me because I was coming. Oh, yeah, man, him passed by 12th tribe house sometime, man. I'm saying, bad no ras. So I said, wow, wow, that lifted my confidence. Yeah, of course. So I said, yeah, I said, don't go on stage and stand. You know, and don't read on stage. Don't stand on stage. And then I think probably somewhere around that time, too, I did, um, you and I were in Bakersfield, and I think I introduced um, Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw, yeah, Wendy Shaw, Itals, yeah, yeah. about that time. Uh -huh. So after that, the following year, after the first show that Barbara did, then Papa Curly called me to MC. I don't know, maybe he was at the show. I said, why would he call me? But my, my, I, I didn't have confidence, so we, I kind of made excuses and we skipped the first one. Plus, you were going on the road with, I don't know why you didn't go to the show, but you were going on the road with Reggae so, Nucleus. I'm not yeah, sure okay. why we didn't go, yeah. but we didn't go. So I skipped the first one. And then we went to see Curly after to ask, how oh, was the show? Because we were doing magazine. We knew him very well. <laughs> and then say, all right, Curly, no problem next year. So then I was prepared and I did it. And only missed one year, year when he brought Sizzler in. So mm. I emceed for him throughout. Yeah. So that was the, the genesis of the big stage was with Barbara. Right, right. Was, I, think, I think Curly's. And then you did, you did a number of the Bob Marley days in San Diego with Makeda, right? Yes, thanks to Makeda. Mm. Yep. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Sierra, Sierra, Nevada. Sierra Nevada World Music Festival uh, and, and you did a, you pull a coop up there too Sierra Nevada we were now a good friend it was difficult next to impossible to get on that stage because everything was set in cement right. yeah he had scheduled out yeah yeah yes uh, wonderful guy wonderful people yeah and so you said Junior I'm gonna get you up there said I, I yeah I can't ask those people because they don't know me but we knew Rico very well we were friends because yeah, we had right. worked with him down here and so you talk to Warren. He said, yeah, okay. But that doesn't mean anything. So you talk to the stage manager. He said, no, you can't go on. So you said, Let, you're going to talk to Makeda, but you're going to time it. Just as you know, the band set up and she was about to. So she wouldn't say no. You know, mm -hmm. timing is everything. So you said, uh, Makeda, how about Junior introducing uh, Rico? And I went on stage. I brought him out. Why are we? Um, sorry, um, Makeda would take right. him off stage. Yeah, and right. so 
after that, Warren called me and said, man, the people want your back. They want to know who is that guy. So you have a job for next year. I remember. I have a job always. Yeah. The Lord has said, I didn't have time to prepare for Rika, but whatever I said, move the audience. Right. So it was really the masses. You know, masses said, we want you back at Sierra Nevada. No, that's and amazing. And I was hired. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And then really work uh, extensively with Warren to bring lots right. of legend. Remember one year I told Warren that, um, so that small stage, I can fill the stage, Warren. So what do you mean? Yeah. So you just bring three legends from Jamaica, any three. Yeah, yeah. I remember Ethiopian was one of the first legends to um, appear on the small stage. Uh, wow. And, you know, of course, I got the job. <laughs> to yeah. MC on the small right, stage. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. But that wasn't the reason why I told him that, but it worked no, out to be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 that's a good segue to, to uh, the many years and tireless efforts uh, and, and, and the conscious decision that you've made, Junior, to, to work with some of these legends, right? So um, if I'm not mistaken, one of, one of the first, as far as like the Sky Rock City, early legends, um, one of the first, you and I worked on together with Lewis from Steady Beat, Justin Hines, right, in Pasadena, mm -hmm. um, which I think was, was around 98, 99. Um, who, who are some of the other legends that, that, um, that you worked with early on? Before that, um, <clears throat> there were shows. Well, I don't think that I, I, I know the shows that I did in Escapade, right. as yeah, I yeah, mentioned yeah. before, yeah. on, on the Rasmaker. But I think you and I, I'm not sure what time period we brought um, Rico here. You and I, Laura Lakins, I'm not exactly sure right. yeah. if it was before or after. Yeah. But there were quite a few legends. But in terms of our, I remember specifically when we did um, Justin Hines and the Domino weren't right. toured. Mont and shortly uh, after, you got a call from someone that Monte Morris is in San Diego. He has never been to the West Coast. He has never even performed in America. Right. So we said yes. we have to find him before yes. anyone else gets hold of him. So we went to um, San Diego, found him. That was a task of titanic proportion. <laughs> we found Malte. Yeah. And then you link up with uh, Lewis, and then we got some place in um, Long Beach. Right. Yeah, Massive, that was Massive well, turnout. Rough yeah. and tough. The, yes. the, the Allentons did an incredible mm -hmm. job. Yeah, back in Right, back so in I Monty. think that's perhaps the first time I started working with um, the bands in Los Angeles. I, I'm inclined to believe. Because that's where right. I met Robert and some of the other guys. Yeah. That was my, yeah, that was my introduction to those guys. And, and before and, I was working, I work with reggae artists, not um, Skyrock study artists. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and what was, why did you make the conscious effort to, to work with, with some of these legends and, and, and some of the, the founding, the founding artists of the Sky and Rocksteady? Uh, that was my first love. And then I, got, I knew Strange Code personally. He had lived out here. Okay. And the interacting with Derek Morgan, he had been out here to Bob Marley. I met him. Right. And we talked. Um, but I met Pat Kelly. And these guys, they would call me from Jamaica. We kept in touch. But the contemporary artists, they never kept in touch, but the legends kept in touch. So, Stranger Cole and I used to do community work here for Jamaica mm. and the community. Okay. So I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So he came to America, not to perform, and he said, you know, Junior, um, he wants to come back here and perform. And I said, and I want to put on a show. So that's how the joint came. So Lady Dread is the one I have to thank. She introduced me to the people at the, the joint. At that time, it was Sire and his partner is escaping me now. 
So I went and I talked to them. I did some local show. To, and yep. um, that was the start of Scamania Scamania. when Sire said, yes. Right. So right. Sire said, Junior, you have something going here. That was Stranger Call. And he said, you need to brand this. I said, what do you mean branding? He's an industry person. He said, yeah, a name. I couldn't come up with one. He said, Scamania. So the first one was at um, the joint. The joint, yes. Yeah, um, and then the second one was Monte Morris, and then we moved to, then he, he Globus, moved right? to yeah. Las Globus, right. same owner. And then the right. first show there was the Melodians on a Sunday night. First Camania show at uh, the new location, Las Globus in Hollywood was uh, Melodians. Right. Uh, Junior, and I want to come back to Scamania here in a minute. Um, before Scamania, there were a number of shows at the El Rey Theater um, that we worked oh, on with, with, right, with, some other, with some other legends. Um, and even before that, at the Whiskey A Go-Go, um, a couple other shows with, with, with Lewis, uh, one being Phyllis Dillon, backed by Kingston 10, yes. right after September 11th. Um, and then, yes, and, and she was then, reluctant to come, but she said yeah, she had to come. She did, mm -hmm. right. And then, and then Derek Morgan, um, mm -hmm. Back by the Rough and Tough All Stars, um, mm -hmm. I, I think it was Derek who's told you uh, really complimented the, some of the backing musicians. Um, yes, uh, mm -hmm. but, but right. tell 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 listeners um, what you remember him saying. That some of these guys are just as fine as some of the guys in Europe, and he was massively impressed. Um, Stranger called towards the Delirians was really kicking supreme. Right, and Pat Kelly said, "Junior, these guys won't work with you." I said, "Why?" They, no, said they're too good. I'll be gone soon. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Those are his words. Say, you can't keep these guys. They're right. too good. <laughs> uh -huh. so we were rehearsing out somewhere in uh, Alhambra. Said, right. Oh, these guys are too good. Wow. And his stranger called said, man, we don't even to do all of this. These guys know so much. But they, yeah. yeah, they all were impressed with them. I mean, they really, that authentic, well, if there's such a word as authentic, but let's say mm -hmm. this sound from Jamaica, this Catalite sound. Right, right. You know, mm -hmm, right. Instead of saying authentic, yeah. they really recreated that sound. But granted, you know, bands in LA were doing that before, but these guys were very good. Sure, mm -hmm. sure, of course, yeah. I don't even remember if we even completed the Stranger Call rehearsal. It was so good. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, no has top, no top, top, top notch musicians and for thanks sure. Thanks to Queen P, she introduced, introduced me to the Delarians. Well, it was Ernesto told me about them. So, man, mm. these guys. But I didn't go to that particular show until I, um, yeah, Queen P said, you know, um, the days are gone when you, you need to worry about backing band. Because <laughs> it was really a crisis, you know, it was really a crisis finding backing bands. We used to, you and I, we did a lot of pickup band. Right, Queen right. Queen P said, no, these, these guys are gone. Yeah. Good. They've been together for 10 years, they're good. Yeah. No, it, really, for a long it, time, there was no problem. Yeah, no, incredible. Um, mm -hmm. At the El Rey Theater, after we after we did a couple of shows that, that Joey and his All Star Band, Joey Altruda and his All Star Bands headlined, mm. um, uh, the Scott Rock City Bonanzas. That's that's when Rico played, and, and there's a poster right behind me of that one. Um, yeah. Lord Tonimo was supposed to was right. supposed to was supposed to be here, and I know that's a low <clears> point, <throat> a very low point, and yeah. and something that you and I worked on. But 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 let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that was a low point because I um <clears throat> I use my tax return. <laughs> use my tax return. <laughs> I'm only laughing because you're laughing, Junior. 
<laughs> and then he, he went to the airport and immigration said, where are you going? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, I, I remember, I remember. You you with, I, I think he had his Roomba box. Immigration say, where you go with that? Well, so, 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 so you and I picked up uh, his manager at the time, Brian Keogh, at LAX, and then we waited yeah. and waited for for right, right. But it wasn't a strain for you, but it was a strain for me. You know, I didn't have money, man. But you know, you're my income tax. You know, let's bring in lot on the movie. No, I think, what, I, mean, it was, yeah, I yeah. think prior you had seen him in Canada I, afterwards, right? I, no, I, I met him. I met him. Had a conversation with before, him. Before, yeah. no, before, uh, right. before, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and he had good intention. You know, he, had a, he was he did. massively he did. excited, extremely excited yeah. about coming to Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to come here. So yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was excited, but immigration said no. But so yeah. his manager came without it, which I thought was ridiculous, as opposed right. to you know perhaps meet him at the border, drive him across, you don't know, let him come by yeah. himself. Yeah. No, I know that was that was truly unfortunate. He never got to he never got to came uh, come and perform here. And that was the Scott Class reunion, which which was ended up being a great show with the with the with the bands uh, like Mob Town and the, the After Hours All Star Band and Mental right. Brew and Unsteady and Israelites. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then and then Junior, there were there were a couple of amazing shows that Boris that we talked about earlier from Taste of Fish Market. Yes, one uh, of the Boris uh, here. Mm. Yeah, Hollywood Ska and and, and uh, Reggae Fest. Um, mm -hmm. Two of them, two of them, and and, um, and you were you he were went out to Prince Buster, right? Yeah, he went right. out to Prince Buster. Yeah. I told him to get Prince Buster. You must get Prince Buster because everyone wants to see Prince Buster. Everyone, right? He right. hadn't appeared on it on the North Coast as yet. I yeah. said people want to see one artist, Prince Buster. Yeah, yeah. And I I sold him I sold him the um, the idea. I wow. said I'll promote the show. I'll promote the show. Don't have to worry. It yeah. would be big. And right. Mount, Mighty Diamonds, uh, I think Wailing Souls, Prince Buster was a strong lineup, but uh, it didn't happen. Yeah, that one didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, the posters, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Bounty right. Killer Diamonds. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that one didn't happen, but thankfully, the two, the two big ones at the Fonda Theater did happen. Um, right. And, and you played a role in, in working with the backing bands as well, um, and, and some of the killer ones. And you as well, too, right? Expanders. We all worked yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, LA All Star Review. It's a collective effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Expanders. But thanks for the credit. Right, right. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I mean, yeah. Junior, Junior, none of this would have happened with that without you. You'll be surprised to know how much behind the scene are uh, things that you've done that people don't know about. Yeah, you could write a book about the things you've done behind the wow. scene. Uh, well, easily. Labor, labor of love, Junior, right? Um, yes, sir. For reggae music, man. By the earth's most precious creation, <laughs> this music. <laughs> Absolutely true. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, so, mm -hmm. so back to Ska Mania. Uh, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna rattle off a list of artists that, that you've worked with at Ska Mania, mm -hmm. the, just to jog mm -hmm. your memory. Derek Morgan twice, Ken Booth twice, mm -hmm. Pat Kelly twice, Monty Morris, Stranger Cole, and Monty Morris on the same bill. The Scatolites, Pioneers, Melodians, as you mentioned, Vernon Maytone, Clarendonians, The Cables, Winston Francis, Norma Fraser. Carlton and the Shoes, Errol Dunkley. Am I forgetting any? And, and, that's, just, and that's, um, just the, that's just the headliners, numerous incredible <clears throat> local, regional, mm -hmm. you know, bands and backing bands. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, it would have been much, much more successful if you, if you were there to give me direction because you have a better sense of finances. <laughs> I just dump it. <laughs> but, uh, but you were... <laughs> <forgot. laughs> yeah, uh, I... That's what happens when you have a dream that is set in stone, like my yeah. dream. 
right. as a child growing up in Jamaica. These are the things I wanted to do yeah. without variation. And so, yeah. you, know, you know, just keep going, right? Just keep right. going. Right. And yeah. when, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm in Mexico, you know, which, uh, bring Pat Kelly to Mexico. Clarendonians and I, we brought Maytones to Mexico City. Is, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you did a number of shows. Love. Number of shows in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I uh, went with artists, but that was, that was my show in uh, right. Mexico and Tijuana. Mexico City well, and Tijuana. And let's talk about the, the, the fans and the audience in Mexico City. Uh, they're the greatest. That's why I keep going. Right. You know, I had trouble finding a place in Mexico, but I have a friend that a phone call, just a um, uh, phone call now, and I have a place tomorrow. And some of the promoters got to know me over the years. So they can say, Junior Francis, bring an artist. Because the promoters don't know my role. If a lot of the shows, the vast majority of the shows were by Mexican promoters, but the, mm -hmm. the club owners got to know me. And most of the shows were, you know, partially successful. Wow. Uh, yeah. So Mexico is amazing. The fans are amazing. That like they take second place to no. Even Derek Morgan said that they take second place to no one. You yeah. know he was. Yeah. He saw response in Czechos, Czech, Czech Republic, and Mexico, the two mm. greatest. The response. Mm. Wow. The love and the devotion. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But Derek told me that um, when he's in Europe, he would see people. You know, people from all over the world. Would, hey, Derek Morgan, when you and they were that one question he got asked all the time is when are you coming to my country and he knew it was only mexicans are incredible in you yeah right uh, right you you're yeah you're only mexicans when are you coming to my country yeah then he realized something is happening in mexico right boy, something did happen there well, 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 junior one of the one of these times i'm coming with you to mexico city oh you have to you have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Nine, nine trips You've gone nine times. Okay, I didn't know there was that many. That's great. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Junior, are, are, there, are there any legends um, that you've not worked with that you, that you would still like to bring here post-pandemic? Post yeah, but we, we can't talk that on this. Oh, and people bring No, man. You're <laughs> All kidding? Right. All right. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Oh, man, I'm not dead yet. If I survive <laughs> this, man, are you kidding me? No, boss. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, Junior, one, one of the things I've learned a lot of things from you, great lessons and little anecdotes over the years. But, but one of the things I specifically remember um, when you were on the radio and, and I asked you a question about, I think this might have been KXLU and I forget who you were interviewing, but, or, or who you were talking about, what, what festivals were coming up. Um, and I had asked you if, if you were given tickets to, to, to give away for that festival. And, and you said no. And I said, well, you know, but you're, you've been promoting it over the last, you know, three weeks so much. And, and, and I was asking, I was a little baffled by all the, all the push and promotion that you gave, you know, to these festivals. And you, and you said something that was profound. And I'm going to paraphrase. But you had said, promoters come and go, venues come and go, um, but it's about the artists and it's about the fans, right? And, 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 and being there to support the artists and being there to make sure that the fans know that these artists are coming up. And, and I thought to myself, you know, that, 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 that is, that's, that's so profound and, and, and deep because you didn't care if you were given tickets to give away. You didn't care if the artists or sorry, the promoters asked you to promote the shows. 
I don't know if you remember that conversation. But, 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 Almost but I, I, but but I'm also opportunistic, opportunistic in the sense that if reggae is big, then I'm big. You know, if these artists is, I'm, I'm opportunistic in that sense. If these artists are big, then I'm big. If Skyrocksteady is big here, then I can go to Mexico and go to Elspeth. Right. So I'm not right. looking at these promoters here and, and, and clubs here. No, I'm looking at the but, 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 you're, you're looking at the But you're looking at the big picture as well. The big versus, picture. So, and, right. Yeah, and then a lot yeah. of these people are my friends. Some of these artists, they can't pay their rent home. Right. They were struggling. Yeah. Some artists, we can't call their name. They can't pay their light bill. Before, yeah. before the pandemic, I know artists were struggling. So if we can make them big here, that they get big abroad. And it's good for yeah. me too. So, so sure. I, I had investment sure. in that. Sure. Uh -huh. So right. if a guy here don't give tickets, that's all right. It's not about yeah. him. Right. Bigger pictures, yeah. Jamaican yes. music. Right, mm. yeah. Well, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's a great, uh, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's, that's how you've lived your life as far as the, 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 the bigger picture, right? And, and, and you, uh, the, the, it's a short, it, it's a long, the long haul, right? It's a, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Yes, um, what, 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 what's, what's, uh, what else is in the future for, uh, for Junior Francis or, or anything, anything else that we've not touched on? Um, uh -huh. Well, you know, in, um, when I was in New York, I was really suffering from middle age crisis. I wanted to leave uh, so desperately that my daughter just came from New York and I left. You know, that was kind of bad. Uh, she felt abandoned. But I don't think I could have stayed in New York any longer because I really wanted to come, I really wanted to be mm -hmm. on the radio, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, go to college. I wouldn't do that again. I would have to find a way to <laughs> maybe take her or stay in New York. But, so that was kind of bad. So I'm kind of feeling the same way now that maybe it's time for me to close the last chapter in my life. So I started doing some work in Jamaica around my school, my elementary yes, school. Yes, right. And I, I, all along, I had planned to do work like what Mother Teresa is doing, you know, help people in the community. So I'm doing a little bit of that now. Instead of just focus on um, artists and radio. So that perhaps is the last chapter. If I survive um, the pandemic, then maybe I would start looking into the possibility. Right. And, 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 and that's helping raise money for the school that you attended? Yes, right. right. So um, in 2017, I, um, I, I, this is all about ego. I said, you know, if, if I can bring these artists to town, I must can have a school reunion. So I, I called my daughter in New York and I said, I have a friend in New York and a friend in Jamaica who is organized. So if I can get these three people who are thoroughly organized, well-educated, then we can pull off a school reunion. And so my daughter didn't go to that school, but mm -hmm. she would help to, because of the sheer number of Jamaicans in New York. And so I went um, and um, got things uh, off the ground. And in 2019, we had a reunion. And as a result of that reunion, we were able to build a play field and put in um, internet, um, provide internet service for the school in, wow. in 2019. And the pandemic stops, uh, you know. Right. Kim, yeah, so we built a um, yeah. school uh, play field so the kids have a place to run. Okay. And that's play. great. Yes. Um, right. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, again, that's collective that's amazing to give back. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, you know, my schoolmate, a lot of these people are very rich and wealthy, so you just have to uh, organize them. 
and right. show them the need and the necessity. Yes, that is isn't the stuff you read about people doing in America, but you can also do it for your country, for your school. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. So yeah, perhaps that's, 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 that's my, yeah, if yeah. I can do that, that would be good. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, before, we, before we wrap this up, um, uh, question for you. Why do you think, because I know that one of the things that, that you've, you've tried to do over the years in working with um, uh, the ska scene um, is, is, is to try to bridge the gap between, between the, 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 the reggae scene and the ska scene, right? If I can be a little general. Um, <clears throat> what, what have been some of the challenges in, in, in trying to make that happen? At the, I, we, I did a couple of shows at the joint before, um, then before Skamania, the birth of Skamania. And I had, I think I had like about 12 DJs, one half reggae and one half ska mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I noticed from personal experience and personal experience can be very valuable. When the rocksteady DJs or ska DJs are playing, the reggae guys go outside. When the reggae guys are playing, the ska rocksteady go outside. You never saw both audience inside. So I realized at the same point in time. So I realized that you had to separate the music because you can't, mm -hmm. the integration won't work. You can't force integration on people. So scare people want to have the scare music and the rock steady and, and reg, scare rock steady reggae kinhead, you know, that, um, all those genres. And reggae right. people want to hear reggae. So they're inside for the reggae DJs. So they would alternate all night. And right. since then, I have not had any problem. Right. Okay. Yeah. Since then, I have not had any problem. Right. L learning from what works and, and doesn't work. Right. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. On a small scale. You know, right. The, by the small scale. Because a win-win situation at the nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. You're and, not like, you know, but you have a big, a big show, then you would lose catastrophically. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned from the nightclub. Okay. Interesting. Too many yeah. DJs and people don't want to dance to reggae. They come to hear Prince Buster, Derek Morgan, you know. They probably listen to reggae in their car. Right. Right. But they come out to hear skinhead reggae. They come out to hear scatterlights. Don't mix the thing up. <laughs> Don't um, mix it. The, the, the other question is, why do you think with all the, the ska and Rock City legend shows that, that have taken place, whether it's at Ska Mania or, 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 or uh, any of the other you know, venues over the years, there's not very many um, Jamaicans, right, or West Indians that have come out to actually see some of these legends. And why do you think some of that is? They don't go to, they're not going to, they like, they, 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 it has not happened. I've not been able to bridge that gap. Right. Even we went as Ken Booth, well-respected, uh, well-loved. We went to a Caribbean community and invited people, gave them passes. They never came. They like shows where they can dress up. You know, mm -hmm. All Caribbean people in the same setting. But to come to a, a show, Ken, Ken Booth, a lot of skinhead, art, uh, skinhead fans, it, it, it won't work. It, mm -hmm. so it hasn't worked. Interesting. At least right. I haven't been able to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Winston Francis came and gave. Oh, we didn't have busy on the list. He he came to town. He was part of Scamania, and he invited some family to come. You know, so we'll even take you back home if you don't have a ride. Uber up and we'll take you home. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, maybe somebody else can bridge that gap, but I right. I have not been able to. Yeah. But I'm sure if I had had I taken Ken Booth to uh, Crenshaw and market him to that crowd, the place would yeah. have been back. Right, mm. right. Yeah, but maybe some mm. of the shows at the Dub Club that Tom, that Tom and, and, and 
and uh, and Bus Harmony work on, right? Maybe some of those. Um, I, I, just a few. Yeah, right. Nothing to write home about. Right. Yeah. Arabs of Caribbean people come in to see those artists. Yeah. We have been. Mm -hmm. um, but, well, mm -hmm. Junior, this is. Uh, this has been fun. This has been uh, enlightening. I, I, I learned. I learned uh, uh, quite a bit more about you tonight. <laughs> um, yes, sir. Uh, any 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 final words for uh, for for the viewers and 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 a number of uh, familiar faces and, and and names that have popped up. So that uh, they clearly wanted to come out and support and hear your story, Junior. Ah, oh, right, right. I had you know to be frank, it wasn't easy uh, doing this, even though I've been doing radio for that. Uh, a lot of years, many, many years. Uh, I haven't really been on this side of the microphone too many times. I'm Nina and a few magazines I've interviewed, right. but I'm always on the other side where I'm extremely comfortable. Yes, yes, yes. So this was extremely and uh, profoundly stressful, but I say, I, how could I say no to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, I, because I, I, every step of the way, you have always contributed to moving me into enlightenment, where I was at 92 write an article for Reagan Euclid. The feature artist, Bonnie Whaler, you write the article. You write the feature. So, so I knew you're always moving me into enlightenment. Well, so I'll, I, I, I wouldn't I'll, say I'll, <laughs> I'll add a love, Junior, and, uh, and, uh, and I appreciate you doing this. And, and speaking of you being on be, you being on the other side, you being on the top of the screen, um, uh, I, I think we should let viewers know while we have them that uh, uh, let's, let the, let's let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, as it relates to Coming into the new year, we already have mm -hmm. we already have some 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 great names lined up. Uh, we'll be announcing right. specific dates coming up. Uh, I'd say probably mm -hmm. next week, but we're going to kick off 2020 and this and this wonderful and fun History Valley Scott one-on-one sessions with someone who you talked about numerous times tonight, but the mm -hmm. the legend himself, Stranger Cole. Mm -hmm. Stranger, Stranger Cole is going to be the going right. to be the first the first one lead into mm -hmm. January. Uh, we'll also throughout January and February um, talk with another legend, uh, Carlos Malcolm. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to talk with Joey Altruda as well as mm -hmm. uh, Chuck, Chuck Wren um, from jump up Records. So there's going to be the first four leading into the first couple of months of the year. So uh, I'm really, really excited to um, mm -hmm. uh, for, for that. And, and again, want to thank you. want to thank all the viewers, uh, everyone who's been supporting and, and, and everyone from the scene, because obviously this, this could not happen without uh you know the, the the fruitful the fruitful yes, scene mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. out there. So um, and boys, it's it's a layer fruitful scene. Yeah, it absolutely you know, is, and it's so thankful. At one point, I remember Ethiopian before he expired said, "Every all the legends in Jamaica are looking at one place in America. Of course, they go to Europe all the time. Without Europe, they wouldn't be able to pay their bill. Yeah. But they're yeah. all looking at one place in America, the entertainment capital, man, Los Angeles. So we want right. to try to find." Absolutely. Say mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, continue. Yeah, to numerous fans. Too many to mention. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But 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 a lot of a lot of love and support and and Junior, thank you for, again for all you do. Um, much love and uh, stay stay healthy and safe and happy holidays to everyone out there as well. Happy holidays to everyone and thank you again. Absolutely. My my pleasure, good. Junior. All right. Yes, indeed. We'll, Good. We'll talk Thanks. again soon. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. That's happy for holidays. sure.